Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author and colleague, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And we have a very special guest as well, who I'll introduce in just a couple of minutes. This is a broadcast that we do live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook and YouTube. And then it is available for replay on those outlets and also available on a number of podcast outlets shortly thereafter. And this is an opportunity for us to take some of the learning that we gathered over the course of many years as we were facilitating pet loss groups and bring it to a broader audience and also to dialogue with you. We very much like to hear from you. And we also like you to know that the information that we share is also available in our book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. As I said, we'd like for you to dialogue with us, so please feel free to get in touch and send us your questions, your comments, your suggestions for topics, whatever you'd like to send to us. And if you do send us a story of your of your own history, something that's gone on for you, an animal who you've lost, and you'd like for us to be able to share it on this program, please let us know. Let us know if we can share it, and we'd be, we often do share those stories. You can reach me at Ken ddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at N Saxton Lopez. I'll spell that out. N S A X T O N L O P E Z at C S M P C.com. And we also like you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community-supported animal welfare organization that provides shelter and medical care and spay-neuter services and behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people each year. They're very invested in helping with the human-animal companion bond. Since opening in 1969, Dakin has become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in central Massachusetts and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more about Dakin and make a donation at dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E dot O-R-G. And also, we'd like you to know that you can support this podcast by clicking on the link that appears in the description. And if you like the podcast and you find it helpful, you can also like it on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube. So it is now my great pleasure to introduce our guest, Dr. Joanne Lefive Connolly, who's been a veterinarian for 20 years. She specializes in in-home and end-of-life care and euthanasia for all animals. She has written two books called mm-hmm. Animal Teachings One and Animal Teachings Two that empower families and their pets to live better and also to prepare for a peaceful passing with peace and dignity. And you can find the link to her site on the description for this program. And you can go there and you can learn a lot more about her. You can purchase her books. You can purchase consultations and some other items that may be helpful to you as well. So welcome, Dr. Joanne. Such a pleasure, such an honor to be here with uh, you, Ken and Nancy, really. You do an amazing work and um, thank you on behalf of all the animals and their families. Oh. <laughs> well, 
I'm thinking that if you could start by just telling us what you were telling us a little bit before we got started with this broadcast about how you started this particular focus within your veterinary practice. Absolutely. Well, animals are the best teachers. Um, they always know best, it seems. So uh, my first rescue dog, her name was Haley, and she uh, turned up to be 14 years old. She had trouble breathing. She obviously felt 100 years old, and the time came when her quality of life was poor, and um, she I needed to help her go to heaven. She had so much trouble breathing, it kind of happened suddenly that luckily for me, I work at the hospital. I was able to bring home euthanasia medication. So I was able to help her pass at home and not take her into the car where she probably would have died just because mm -hmm. she couldn't breathe so well. Mm -hmm. um, so after Haley passed, I was extremely devastated. She was my first big loss. Um, that was uh, in 2007, so a little 15 years ago. Um, but after she passed, people started calling me um, out of nowhere, friends of a friend. Hey, would you be able to come to my home to help my pet pass? And I'm like, wow, like this is the synchronicity of the mm -hmm. energy. You know, um, I could only attribute it to Haley. I thanked her. I was really scared. I didn't know if I could handle starting my own service, um, doing this for others because uh, I was a young veterinarian and but I asked Haley's spirit, hey, if you're there, if this is truly you guiding me, please make this go well. And it snowballed into an amazing service where I learned so much, um, so much that I did not learn in vet school. You know, again, animals are the best teachers and spending time with their families, laying on the, on the living room floor, um, you know, sitting in the closet, wherever the animals wanted mm. to be and trying to make their last moments peaceful, uh, filled with dignity involving the other animals around. Um, I learned so much that I needed to share in the books that I wrote. Oh, that's fabulous. Excellent. Because a veterinarian, no matter how much you want, you heal and you treat and you take care of, at the end of life, a lot of times you're there, right? At most times, depending, but you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of, Haley taught me a new outlook on life, um, which is, seize each day, you know, take advantage uh, fully of the day that you have, because you don't know how long you're going to be here. You don't know how long your loved ones will be here. So I have a lot of gratitude for every day that I get to share life with my animals, knowing that, hey, I don't know that they're all live to be 14. You know, unfortunately, some seem to have to leave us sooner. Uh, sometimes it's unexpected. Sometimes it's traumatic. And making peace with the fact that ultimately they're not ours. You know, they're little angels. They came from heaven. They're going to go back to heaven kind of on their own terms. You know, we're here to help them the best we can, accompany them, ease their suffering. But we have to listen to them, to learn to honor who they are and what their life mission is. You know, what did they come here to do? Because very interestingly, each animal seems to pick one person that they're here to work on or support, you know, whether uh, they share the same physical disease, um, whether they're here through um, a hardship, like after a divorce. And when you rescue animals, especially, I don't know about you guys, but I've never ch chosen my animal. There's always someone coming to me at the right time um, when they need me, but also when I need them. And then they teach me, you know, so many amazing things. Oh, that's, that's so true. It's yeah, absolutely. And so 
you said something again before we started that I I really want to hear more about. You said that you believe that you can help people to euthanize their pet and then have minimal or no guilt afterwards. And I wonder if you can talk about that and maybe share some tips. Yeah, that would be important. Yep, absolutely. So I see euthanasia as a wonderful option to end suffering. Um, Because no matter what, we're all going to die. Um, Dying with dignity is a gift. It's truly a gift when we're able to ease the passing. Um, Natural passing can be very difficult. It can be very traumatic. It can be long. And I've studied, you know, I've helped over 10,000 families and their pets, and I've seen humans, you know, close ones um, dying. And so I've paid attention to the personality of the patient, human or animal, and also the bond that that patient has with his family, again, whether it's a human or an animal. So that to me matters a great deal at the end of life, because someone who's extremely loyal and a lot of animals are just, they would do anything for their people, And that means they're going to hang in there. It's very hard for them to pass naturally. They just want to be the good dog, the good cat, um, the good Mm -hmm. animal. That um, So they won't make that decision on their own. They just won't go on naturally. So, and I've seen animals where people just say, well, you know, they'll die on their own. I can't make that decision. It's too hard. And they don't, you know, they kind of starve to death. They get like bed sores. And finally, I got called in after like a month of intense suffering, you know. So when I saw those animals, I'm like, oh, my God euthanasia is a gift. So it's, um, we should choose it at the right time for the right reason, obviously. But um, animals, I find they will tell us when they're ready. Mm -hmm. Um, So learning to listen to them with our heart. Often in our modern society, we're stuck in our heads. Mm -hmm. And we try to calculate, okay, um, this is the disease. This is uh when should we euthanize you know it's not a mathematical calculation it's truly comes from the heart animals will help us make that decision whether it's by their personality change they might start hiding in the closet um, they might become really clingy something is going on they might just give us a look um, and uh, when you feel in your heart okay you know my pet is done fighting you know he can't do this anymore he's hanging in there for me when you start feeling guilty, you know, because you feel sad for your pet that, oh, so that's when, okay, it's time. And that means euthanasia equals no guilt, you know, because the guilt was, well, if I don't euthanize, then I'm feeling guilty. So being able to make that decision to say it's a gift because I'm freeing my best friend from his suffering. And that's really what animals need in those situations. Um, often I'll see other animals in the households can help us also because based on their personalities, based on their relationships, they will also, their, the, the dynamic will change and the animals will become also more clingy to the dying one or they will start fighting. Like in the wild, they kind of, the, the pack can beat up the dying one. Um, so cats will start hissing at the dying one, like, oh no, no, okay, you're, you're too weak now, you so for us to pay attention to those signs, it's really, really helpful. Um, people will have dreams, messages that come to them in their dreams. I talk about it in my book. I had an amazing dream from my rescued horse. And my, my rescued horse was the hardest euthanasia mm. I had to do for my own animals because 
horses are majestic. They're big. They fall like it's very traumatic. Mm -hmm. But he came to me in a dream telling me it was time. And then when I went to the barn the next day, he couldn't move. And I he gave me the strain that I needed. He gave me the confirmation that, okay, please help me. And I was able to help him. So, so, I, yeah. so, so Dr. Joanne, you said that if the animal is declining or if there are other animals that are giving signals, that it, it can become pretty clear that it's important to, to help them to pass. We often see, and I'm sure you do too, that the person makes the decision at the time and they are, they're relatively okay with it when the animal actually is euthanized. But then afterwards, they go through these spirals of regret of what I should have done or could have or what I should have seen and all. What, what are some of your tips for helping the person to manage that aftermath? we are really harsh on ourselves. you know we are our biggest critique um so it's it doesn't have to be perfect so making peace with the fact that okay i did the best i could um maybe a few things could have been done better but we learn through life mm -hmm. so learning to be kind to ourselves give yourself a hug you know um now you know better and you do better and same thing with me you know when i first started helping uh, 20 years ago. I did the best I could, but now I do much better because I know better. I've seen different ways, um, what helps, what doesn't help. Um, so one thing that helps also the rest of the pets grieve is to give them a chance to be there during the euthanasia. Um, yes. Or at the very least, help allow them to visit with the deceased body because it gives them a lot of understanding, a lot of closure of what happened. If you bury your animal at home, a lot of animals also heal from visiting the grave, just letting them do what they need to do. And it all depends again on, on personalities, on the bond that they had. And I won't lie, some animals will celebrate when the bully leaves <laughs> and that's just nature. <laughs> um, another point that I'd like to make is not feeling guilty when we're not there and our animal passes mm -hmm. naturally because it is much easier to die when you're alone um even in people you know yeah. Um, yeah. you watch over your mom or your dad and then the two minute break that you mm -hmm. take to go to the bathroom they're mm -hmm. gone and then it's like oh my god i wasn't there but just knowing that it's much easier for the the dying animal or human to let go, to break those emotional ties because love keeps us here. And we want it, we don't want those bonds to disappear. Um, but so giving permission to our animal to let go and giving them space. And if they go hide in the closet and we know it's close, um, maybe again, if our animal is being clingy, yes, be with them. If our animal is going to hide, give him a chance as long as they're not suffering. You know, if they're just sleeping, there is no pain, there's no trouble breathing that we need to absolutely come uh, have a veterinarian come over. Just give him some time, but give him permission. And I know it's hard, but really talk to them like we're talking now from the bottom of your heart and tell your pet, I love you. I don't want you to suffer. Just mm -hmm. please. It's OK to go. You know, I'll miss you, but I can see that it's your time. Um, and I find interesting, there was a study done in people where, um, 
most deaths came on your birthday. Like you were more at risk of dying if it was on your birthday. Mm. And it makes sense to me because it's the cycle of life. You know, you were mm. born mm -hmm. a certain day and then it seems like the cycle has been completed and then you die on your birthday. And I've seen that a lot in animals with birthdays. Wow. But if it's a rescue animal, I see it too. If you adopted your pet over Christmas holidays, you know, it seems like, okay, 14 years later, Christmas time, that's when it's going to happen or else, um, yeah, 4th of July weekend. And then I, you know, I'm being called in. So that helps us. It helps me help families when they're not sure. Hey, is it time? Is it not time? And, and I'll tell him, we'll take it one day at the time. It's really rare that I schedule euthanasias two weeks ahead. You know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. most people, it's just one day at the time because there is ups and downs and we're not mm -hmm. sure. So we let the animal tell us. Um, quite often, people call me to schedule a euthanasia and then I don't even have time to go to the house and the animal has passed. Mm -hmm. And then the family tells me, oh, it's like they heard us. And yeah, I think on an energy level, our animals definitely communicate with us. So when you give them permission, when they sense that, okay, you're ready, um, they can go on their own. The other opposite happens too when people call me and then their pet says, hey, I'm not ready. And then they start eating. They start playing with their ball. Yeah, that's and then right. I say, okay, we just wait, you know, and we just take it one day at the time. Now, I have a question, you know, um, you have clients, I'm sure, that we, and Ken and I have heard this, that they'll say, I'm killing my animal. Mm. I'm killing mm -hmm. my animal. And, you know, what we have done, and I want your, you know, thoughts on this, is say, well, we use the gift, you know, this is, you know, quality of life, but you're not killing them the diseases. If it's some, if it's an animal that's very ill, right. We put it on a disease instead of saying it's, you know, you're allowing, you know, a, you're giving him a gift not or her a gift not to suffer. Yeah. You're shortening the dying process because your animal will die no matter what, you know, like that's what yeah. I tell those people that have a really hard time. I say, the disease, you know, the old age, this is your pet is started the dying process. So what you can do for him is to shorten this. So you're shortening suffering. So to me, suffering is way worse than dying. Okay. Yeah. Say more about that. Maybe just say more about that. It's a beautiful statement, I think. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you a lot of wonderful euthanasias that I've done when I'm, when I think, God, I wish everybody, human, animals, like we all, we should all have that power of passing with dignity mm -hmm. and not dragging this on when it's just so horrendous for the family, for the patient. Um, so one that comes to mind is uh, a boxer that was older and uh, she used to hang out with her friends throughout her life. She had about like six, seven doggy friends. So when I came to her home to euthanize her, all her friends were there. There was a big ice cream and apple pie party for the dogs. Everybody was eating ice cream and apple pie. And I sat with them. Uh, they were sharing pictures. They took me through the whole life story of this girl. Um, puppy pictures all the way to, you know, being an old girl and having trouble sleep, trouble walking. And it's a blessing to see an old animal because you know they've made it you know it's mm -hmm. harder when you have a young animal and unfortunately they're not here they didn't they couldn't they couldn't stay to be 14 um it's harder but uh what i the way i understand it um is that we do all have a life purpose a life mission 
And I see like, like I talked about, um, animals will come to us at the right time. And I see life as a book, a series of chapters. So one more key that can tell us, hey, my pet might be dying is when we're reaching the end of a life chapter. So for example, if the dog is very bonded with one of the children and that children is finishing high school, he's going to leave the house and go to college. So the true owner, the one that's bonded with the pet will not be there next week, next year. And this pet is getting old, starting to deteriorate. Mm -hmm. Well, that to me is a quite a flag that we might be looking at helping him go to heaven. Um, if he, and then if he gets sick, you know, serious illness on top of it. Um, so looking at who, what's going on in the family to decide mm -hmm. what the timing of death, you know, because usually there is a, a timing that can be explained, even if at first it might come as an accident or as a very unexpected when family is expecting their first baby, their first mm -hmm. human baby. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the pet who's been there for all these years, it's a life chapter ending. And um, it might follow with, okay, mission accomplished for that pet. It's going to heaven. The timing is such that it's time to go to heaven. Um, one area of guilt, and I, I'm thinking about an example that I want to share because uh, so this this one older dog um, ended up laying down behind the wheel of the car. The mm -hmm. owner didn't realize, mm -hmm. ran over his own dog. Yeah. We euthanized the dog. Um, so in that one instance that I can remember, I obviously it was very traumatic for the owner, felt extreme guilt. And I said to them, you know, your your dog made his decision mm -hmm. to leave. Um, it spared you the the pain of having to to make the decision to euthanize but your pet was ready so on a subconscious level you know he went to lay there he was an old dog full of arthritis he needed help you did not have to take on the burden of making the decision he did that for you um yeah yeah, yeah. so that's You're really helpful so much of spirituality in some ways or that connection that we're, you we're not cars you know we're not cars um so one thing that I love is treating the patient, not the disease. Right. We must treat the patient as a whole. So that's, yes, that also talks about um, personality. If this pet could talk, you know, let's say you take 20 cats, older cats that have kidney disease. Um, some cats won't want to get medication. Some cats you can't give sub-Q fluids. Some cats mm -hmm. you can't change the diet. And removing the guilt also in how to treat diseases again because we're treating an animal and we need to tailor that decision based on the animal another example let's say you have a dog with cancer who's doesn't know he has cancer he's feeling great and we go through the options of should we do surgery should we do chemotherapy should we do nothing and doing nothing needs to be an option always mm -hmm. because we don't want to do things worse sometimes we do too much medical torture and we yeah. regret doing too much. So going back to what's right for my pet in my situation and taking the guilt out of everything. So looking at the, the, the animal as a whole being, and also in the context of the family, the other animals who make up the family in addition to the people is so, so important. I wanted to ask you, you've mentioned heaven a few times. So what is your, maybe say more about what what your concept is like, what do you mean when you say they're ready to go to heaven? 
so what animals have taught me because i don't consider myself religious or i mm -hmm. i also it needs to make sense to me um but so what my animals have taught me over the years is that we're all the same on a soul level we're all energy we all go to the same place when we leave our bodies and we mm -hmm. come back um, mm -hmm. i've had many stories of reincarnation where people swear to me this is my pet he came back this is my actually one the best story is this this one woman lost her husband he died and then she adopted this puppy and the puppy would bite selectively the people that her husband didn't like <laughs> oh that's great and she sent me a picture because when we open our hearts you know we 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 sense energy so mm -hmm. and it helps us so much make decision and become one with the web of life you know see synchronicities like i had a lady who would see a cardinal bird would come to her when she had tough decisions to make and you know she thought maybe it was her mom in heaven or whoever it is like there is a nature yeah. talks to us so um when this woman sent me the picture of her husband and and i saw had seen the puppy I just went like, oh my God, like it seems like it's the same soul. And and I had personally a dog who was my horse before. Um, and it was, so it was crazy because the dog looked like a horse, like he had a mane and his tail looked, his butt, he had, anyway, he, his butt looked like a, like a horse too. And people would mistake, every time they would talk to me about Fuzz, Fuzz was an Aussie shepherd. They would ask me, hey, how's your horse doing? I didn't have a horse at the time. And like, oh, no, no, I mean your dog. And so, you know, it, it was crazy. And how did Fuzz die? Well, he had a rare, the rarest disease in dog, but one of the most common disease in horses. Wow. So he had, a, yeah. It's, you know, it's fascinating. We can't it, it is, deny it. It, it yeah, is. I, can't I, deny I, it. I have to say, it's really validating what you said. I had a chihuahua for 16 years. Uh, she died just short. It's interesting. She died the day before her 16th birthday. There you go. Yeah, just um, just go. this past June. And we named I named her Isabel. And Isabel was my maternal grandmother. And I always felt a sort of resonance between the memory of my grandmother and little Isabel. And it's very interesting what you said. But yeah, she died. I was I was I was really thinking that she was going to make it to her birthday because she had congestive heart failure and was being, we were treating her for a few years actually. But that's interesting what you said that they die in their birth, near their birthdays often. Yeah. And I can think of someone who thought also her cat was her grandpa who came back and the grandpa had a mole on his cheek and then the cat had a mole on his cheek. So, See? <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're all connected and right. we're all in a, kind of a web of recycling yeah. in some ways and growing web yeah. of growing. Yeah. So no guilt. We do the best we can um, yeah. balance. I think finding balance in life, it helps prevent again, living each day. Like it might be our last, you know, it helps prevent guilt of not giving our animals enough time. Um, because I feel also like just a quick side note on animals eating toys. I feel like often it's like a, a, a flag. Hey, I'm here. You know, like kind of a suicidal little subconscious thought of oh, an animal eating a toy. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm I'm getting sick because we're out of balance. You know, let's regroup. Um, so before Fuzz, the crazy bouncy shepherd found us, we had we we had Yogi for five years. He was a Chihuahua rescued 
Yogi was the king of the house, okay? And then five years into his reign, the, the goofball Aussie shepherd comes around. And of course, he's big. He's taking up all the room. And we thought Yogi was going to die. He, he stopped eating. And we really felt like, oh, this is an exit door. Mm -hmm. He might take it. Mm -hmm. And he felt so, uh, so hurt and rejected. And that happens. I see that a lot where it seems like we have some, I mean, emotional shocks can kill us, you know? So I see yeah. that in animals. And then we tried so hard. And Yogi luckily lived to be 14. We turned the corner with him. We made sure to give him a long time every day. You know, you have to look at each of your animal. They're all different and really catering to their individual needs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So we are we are coming down to the end of our time. It's moved very very fast. And yes, you've had a great great, great stuff. Amount of information. Yes. And also, I must say, not only are you a veterinarian, but a spiritualist and a social worker. So I want you to impart all of those wonderful absolutely. things that you do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to make sure that you share two things: final thoughts and recommendations for people who are viewing or listening. And secondly, if you could just alert people to your website so they yeah, can please. find you. Um, so my website is Haley's Angels in honor of Haley, who uh, put me on this wonderful path, www.haley. That was her shelter name. We did not change it. So H-A-Y-L-E-Y-S, angels with an S. So all in one word, haleysangels.com. And what I want everyone to take from this conversation is the power that you have inside of you and the bond that you have with your animal and listening to your animal. And then take that to your veterinarian. Not every veterinarian is obviously um, open or has had the experiences that I've had, but you can start that conversation. And I want you to honor your feelings and your pet's purpose and in making medical decisions and when you know in your heart okay it's time or we need to do this or i there's no way i can do surgery like i'm i had a bad dream like i there, i have a knot in my stomach listen to your body and you can read my books i help you know i share a lot of tips how to get out of our heads how to be in our hearts to really have no guilt at the end because that's how we end up making the right decisions at the right mm -hmm. time by listening to how we feel, listening to our animals, listening to nature's signs of guidance, synchronicities. Um, so I hope that that helps. Oh, that's great. Thank well, you thank so much. Yes, thank you so much. Just to repeat, our guest is Joanne LaFive Connolly. It's been a great pleasure to have you with us, Dr. Joanne, and, and thanks again. Oh yeah, thank you. Wonderful, wonderful information. My pleasure. Mm -hmm.